right. Hopefully you guys can hear me, but I am with someone that's very special that was introduced to me via a friend of a friend. And uh, it's kind of serendipitous how we ended up meeting and we haven't really spoken before. So this is our introduction and we can actually get to know each other. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> On the podcast, very uh, nice and personal. <laughs> exactly. Have you done many podcasts before? Um, Yeah, I've done a couple of podcasts. Um, I'm not actually one for usually kind of being out in the limelight or doing interviews and things like that. Um, But I do try to do a few of them at least, especially ones that are kind of related to the community and um, especially obviously in finance because that's where we're working at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, so let's give the audience a, a quick introduction into who you are. I mean, so Shari, I hope I'm pronouncing that That's correctly. correct, right? yeah, Shari. Shari. <laughs> You're the founder of the Black Business Network here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what's actually interesting for me is, how did you get to this point? Let's get a bit into your background, because to found something as audacious as a network and economic structure for black people, you got to have <laughs> some sort of guts. Some kahunas. Some kahunas, <laughs> exactly. You got to, you know. So I'm interested in how you got to this point. So were you born and bred in the UK? Like, wh- what's your origin story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first gen Jamaican parents born in London and raised in London, South London. Um, and yeah, just somebody that's kind of obviously grown up here and kind of lived through the experience of being black and British and, um, you know, done all my studies, went to university university and then went off into the corporate world um you know and realized I was actually kind of unprepared for this environment and um not really knowing what to do or how to interact so that kind of became my first clue of to wanting to kind of really connect back to what kind of I guess black people were doing in the different fields that I were working in, was working in and being in the kind of corporate industry and what their experience was um and just really finding that there was no real kind of network. There were like individual ones. There were different kind of corporate companies that had, um, you know, like black groups within their companies, um, but yeah. no one that was actually kind of doing anything or really trying to implement change or bring all those kind of groups together. So um, I guess kind of wanting to bring my experience together and through a lot of different activities actually, but um, I guess about five years ago is when I, when all the kind of Black Lives Matter stuff really started kicking off and um, I was feeling super frustrated. I was frustrated in my corporate environment at work. I was frustrated with everything that was going on in the media. And um, I basically decided to start like a little think tank group, which consisted of me and a couple of friends from like universities and other kind of, you know, just friends I'd made over the years and work and things like that. And we started talking about kind of what could we do? Like, how can we make a change? How can we stop this frustration we're feeling? Um, And from that, it was kind of The idea was actually we think business is key. Um, We think supporting business owners is key and bringing those people together is key. And then from there, basically a few years later, after some changes and developments as you have, um, yeah, Black Business Network was kind of formed um, doing my speciality, which is events. Um, And yeah, using events to kind of bring the community together on loads of different levels. Wow, that sounds like a great mission. (laughs) When, When you were younger, so in university, Uh, did you ever feel like um, you didn't belong? Because you mentioned this word sort of unprepared when you got to the corporate world, right? That you didn't feel that you were part of a community beyond just your black network within your particular organization and things like that. So I'm trying to understand a little bit about when you first realized that there's such a thing as, I want to say blackness, but blackness in the professional sense, not blackness in the... um, sort of social sense, like who you hang out with and everything. But yeah. then you get to the corporate world and it's like, all right, you know, there's 
Yeah. There's a difference here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was, I, honestly, I have to say, it was probably when I made my transition from, um, I had been working in like an institution, a membership body. And um, while I wasn't, you know, in a majority of black people there, it was kind of very familiar to me. But it was when I made the transition to start working in Canary Wharf. Um, and that's actually when I was like, um, it was so weird to me because there were so many black people around. Um, it was There was no lack of us there, even though there's this kind of ideal that there's not lots of black people working in finance or working in these city places. There's so many black people around in Canary Wharf, but you somehow within, my organization and within um you know just being in the environment I still felt so disconnected from all these people um and I just wasn't kind of even in my workplace I was dealing with like just you know a lot of ignorance a lot of kind of typical um your stereotypical I guess white male leaders in your workplace um so that was really difficult and I think that's when I really became aware and I guess for me growing up um I guess I didn't realize how black my network was how black my life was I mean obviously (laughs) (laughs) it it sounds really weird to say but I mean I've always had obviously like you know white counterpart white friends and people around me but I guess it's also um a class thing too so it's obviously you know being a South Londoner um you know I live a stone's throw from Brixton that's how I kind of always grew up so even I guess the white people within my group and within my like peers you know were used to that kind of environment or at least um if they were like used to that environment you know there was no kind of I guess power dynamic that set in or came into play Mm. um but then you go into a corporate world and suddenly there is a power dynamic that's at play you know a very large one that's impacting your everyday life um and I think that's when I really realized I had to figure something out I had to kind of find a new way to kind of connect with the people from my community that I felt like I could talk to relate to and even just get advice and be mentored you know and kind of grow on like how it's what it's like to be in this situation so it's very interesting for me because in the united states there are black economic structures or groups of people or communities that are formed because uh black people there always had to do for themselves so they very early on decided to create things like the united negro college fund and uh you know historically black universities and all those kinds of things and so there it's a very normal thing for black people to have an economic structure. You know, they all work together. You'll see Jay-Z featuring yeah. Pharrell, featuring, you know, they all work together to build something between themselves. But in the UK here, it seems to be quite different. And I don't know if it's because over here, there are different types of black people that have such a strong connection to their origins. So it's like there's Nigerians and then there's yeah. Jamaicans and then there's the South Africans. And it's like, they don't see themselves as one. But in America, they all see themselves as, hey, we're all African-Americans. Like. Yeah. When they look at me and they look at a Nigerian guy, they don't see a difference. We're the same. So we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. But is that one of the reasons you think here in the UK there hasn't been an economic structure or these communities available to you before you saw this gap? Is, is that yeah. part of the reason? I or? mean, I, I think it's part of it, but I don't think it's all of it. I think definitely, um, you know, as generations and particularly my generation, I would say the divide of, you know, like, being that having that connection to Africa or having that connection to the Caribbean obviously it's always still there and ever present but um you know again in my year in my school growing up like we were all just the black kids so I guess it it didn't come into play as much with my generation um but I think it's also part of not really realizing that we don't have those things um that we don't actually have real structures in place um there's this thing that's always in the UK you know where we feel like oh it's not as bad as the US because we're not facing the kind of brutality we're not facing that kind of outvert 
overt racism that's always you know present in the US so we kind of look at ourselves sometimes and go okay yeah it's not as bad um but in that because the US and because black Americans have had to face that I think it's it's shown them the need to kind of have to work together to have to kind of build real structures um whereas we don't necessarily look to kind of I guess protect ourselves in that way um in that kind of actually have structured systems I think that's changing definitely and obviously by the people that you know I connect with work with loads of people I see doing loads of things at the moment um so I think the attitude is definitely changing where we realize that we actually have to create some real structures where we think we're doing if we want to kind of you know make any real change or see any change to our day-to-day living and you know Obviously, racism is, is so overt, over, under, over, so covert <laughs> over here, right? So you never really, it's one of those things you can't, it's hard to explain sometimes. It's hard to put your finger on it. You know it's there. You know <laughs> you know it feels weird in this situation. Um, but because it's always this kind of really underhanded thing, it's hard to explain. And I think because of that, um, it's hard to know what you, you need to fight. It's hard to know where you need to start, um, where you need to kind of start building Um, so I just found really connecting with people that's all you can do and in connecting with people I realized there's so many like groups in silos doing like loads of different little things saying you know we're doing mentorship over here we're doing you know finance programs over there so my idea is really about kind of connecting all those people and saying actually let's be under one big umbrella because that's where we really kind of find Let's go. that real yeah infrastructure yeah. and structure that we actually need so that's what i'm talking about like a black wall street right <laughs> yeah essentially yeah. Like, that's what we would love to build right <laughs> that's where we need to get to and i think again understanding that and knowing that in the u.s that was obviously bred out of segregation they had to they formed those groups they formed those businesses they relied on their communities because they had no other choice um over here that's obviously not the case and never been the case for us so again we didn't have that period of knowing we needed to build for ourselves um and i think even for a lot of people some people almost go why do we need to kind of build for ourselves so you'll still even get people within our community that will question be like but why do you need a black business business network you know why can't it be everybody and that was gonna be my next question exactly (laughs) do you think it's it's the right thing to do to form an economic union based on the your skin color right because i look at other groups maybe perhaps the jewish community or whatever it is they they create their own economic structures um based on whatever it is maybe not race whatever it is but a religion or something like that but they, they create their own economic structures and the pushback is always that um by creating something based on on skin color, you're in the form being like racist, right? <laughs> yeah. You're you're creating a, a black economic union. Why not just create an economic union in general? Um, what what do you kind of say to that? How do you uh, sort of go against that, or do you think it's the right thing to do? Do you, how well, do you sort of grapple with that? Well, I mean, my company's called Black Business Network, and um, <laughs> you know, I make, I make um, you know, I don't hide from that at all. I think actually, for us, we do need to kind of stand out and be able to say for ourselves as individuals no it's okay for us to have something because as you mentioned you know every other community kind of has this thing where they build innately with each other where they start kind of working you see it with the jewish community chinatown you see it with chinatown like you know and there's no absolutely no issue you know again i had my event my event was called black investor 360 which is my finance event Mm. um and you know people were like but why black though you know and I had actual black people saying that to me like why black don't you think you're isolating yourself from the market um 
But I said, well, no one says that to the Asian business um, bride show. You know, no, no, no one cares about that because you understand that there's a culture, there's specifics, there's nuances Mm. to how those communities work. But I think because our culture is kind of seen as so mixed in, so available to everybody with no particular ownership. And I just want to say, I mean, obviously, black people, we create a lot of culture. Yeah. A lot of culture. We run the culture, man. We do. But um, in terms of taking ownership of that and saying, actually, no, I am allowed to kind of set boundaries and, you know, deal and engage with it how I choose to or chose to engage and build with other black people, um, then people will go, oh, well, no, 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 you're not entitled to it. So um, I think it's very important for us to firstly take that ownership and say, actually, no, it's okay for us to want to build as a community as other communities have beforehand. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not segregating anybody. In fact, actually, there's more for people to learn when a community is conversing by themselves, you know, working out their objectives and their points and then being able to clearly articulate as one voice what they need. So actually, it works better. Um, and then that's part of it as well. I mean, we're always kind of also, also labelled into the BAME thing. And um, that was another thing when I was starting yeah. a diversity business that lots of people were saying, you know, maybe instead of black, just do, you know, yeah. BAME and stuff. And yeah. again, my my events, my nothing I do is kind of limited. So, you know, no one of any other race can <laughs> attend and no one of any other race can speak. Yeah. Not at all. But it's just about saying we have a clear objective, which is identifying the roadblocks, the issues, the challenges, um, and also being a safe space for black people to share. Um, and, you know, in doing that, in targeting those things, that's how we feel actually real problems get addressed because, you know, we could say BAME, but our issues in business in particular are definitely not the same as, you know, the Asian community may have in business. That We're on two different levels if you look at both of us on in terms of business structures. So how can we attack it as one problem? Yeah. So it's about clearly identifying a problem and issue and, and just being confident and, you know, clear enough to say, actually, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to support and uplift your community. And it doesn't mean, you know, tearing down or breaking any other community at all. So. Exactly. That's the biggest point there is you building something is not excluding other people, right? It's, it's not, uh, you know, one person takes all and everyone loses. Everyone can build their own things at the same time and we all win simultaneously, right? Yeah. Um, but th- there's something that you mentioned there which, which, which is pretty interesting to me. It was around the fact of, you know, black businesses face challenges, right? And I always wonder how many of those challenges are a result of the market and the perception out there versus maybe just our way of doing things? And, you know, if you, if you think of going to like a Jamaican store to get some <laughs> oxtail and rice and peas and, you know, that kind of thing. The age old narrative, right? Exactly. And then there's like, oh, we now have oxtail today. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so, or, or, you know, you order something and it comes yeah. late. And then that kind of stereotype. Do, wh- do you think there's any merit to them? And if there is, where do you think it stems from? Do you think it's a, it's a cultural thing or it's just that we've never, uh, we don't have the infrastructure to do it? Why do you think there's that narrative that black businesses are not as quote unquote professional as other types of businesses? Yeah, I mean, again, I try again not to buy solely into that narrative. While I know that, yes, there are, you know, Caribbean takeaways you can go in and this, this the service may not be as like, you know, <laughs> polite and or as nice as other businesses and it's not as welcoming then we use that as an excuse to go oh well that's why I don't go to these businesses but then Mm. I always say well I mean again I'm like I said I'm from South London near Brixton I look at the people that are going into those Caribbean shops and frequenting them you know those 
man them yeah. don't want to go into the shop they're going in there to have that frame friendly banter yeah. that same you know jamaican banner that we <laughs> always have um and it's not always you know tactful yeah. <laughs> um but yeah within that there is also a lesson to learn about customer services and how we can continue to develop and you know market our businesses in a better way mm. i think absolutely there's still work to be done on how we look at our overall approach and i think about that in terms of more so in terms of building brands rather than kind of managing individual businesses because the caribbean shop's always going to be the caribbean shop right um the barber shop's always going to be the barber shop so there are certain businesses within our community um that are almost based on the fact that it's got to kind of have that environment that grittiness for it to be because that's part of our community is part of our elements um but i think in terms of us growing in our economic structures i think then we need to look at more how can we build brands how can we build um you know businesses that we can go on to franchise or open second or third fourth branches how can we make that work how can we scale how can we then you know take complete ownership of it so that um you know the caribbean shop that we all love to frequent where we think uh could maybe do a bit better on the customer service doesn't end up losing out to you know a big chain like turtle bay or the rum kitchen which are not black owned and are less authentic um but have the money and have the knowledge the marketing know-how to kind of scale and build those businesses and, and it's not as well yeah exactly and it's not down just down to the customer service because we know that you know you can go into an asian store you can go into a chinese store you can go into rum kitchen and you could face the same kind of you know um rudeness you could have discrimination you could have bad customer service that can happen in any kind of business um but i think it's part of how we choose to approach it how we look at our community um and also sometimes the the stereotypes that are placed on our community as well that make us think this is so much worse than everything else yeah and not actually want to you know trust each other and build with each other and it's about saying actually you know yes she the caribbean lady could have been a bit more organized (laughs) in what she put in the on the board today and said you know from the get-go they didn't have curry goat or they have no oxtail but um but at the same time this is a small business owner who's working in a community um where she's probably dealing with a lot of characters a lot of people coming in and out of her doors you know yeah. and there's a different way there's a different approach to business and that's not something that we should use as an excuse i think not to support each other yeah 100 percent agree there's something you mentioned which was trust within ourselves mm-hmm. i think that we need to give each other more opportunities to fail and know that you might not always get the best service but you need to continue to spend your dollars within your community to give people the chance to actually get enough investment and enough cash flow in to build a customer service support and all those kinds of things so we almost need to be i don't say lenient with each other because we have to hold ourselves ourselves to high standards you know what i mean but um i think giving yeah giving each other and, and supporting each other a bit more when i thought of sort of other communities there was a statistic about how the average african-american dollar spends less than like 24 hours within our community it always goes somewhere else and then other communities the same dollar passes into six different households before it leaves their community you know so we have to sort of build that that infrastructure but there, there was something else i was thinking of which to me is the biggest problem i see out there with with black businesses Mm -hmm. i think we are focusing on businesses that are not future centric i can't tell you how many events, startup shows, whatever it is I've gone to, where they're creating a new type of hair product, a new type of, I don't know what it, maybe something rudimentary. Do you know what I mean? And while it's great to build a new salon or hair product or whatever it is, 
we don't need a 12th one. We don't need a 13th one, right? Do you know what I mean? What we need to do is build industries of the future. What's artificial intelligence doing? We want to have the next Facebook, the next Amazon, the next yeah. Challenger Bank, those kinds of things. And that's something I, I'm struggling with right now. I'm trying to get people to build things for the future and not just only for our immediate community needs. Because yeah. our market, granted, we have a strong market within ourselves, but do you see the same problem from your purview as a, as a sort of black business network that everyone's focusing on things that are not necessarily future proof um i mean i don't know if i'd say it's a problem i think mm. there is there's a you know there's a place for everything and every type of business and i definitely understand what you're saying yes we have a number of people who have you know beauty skincare hair care businesses um people who you know again go into catering and things like that exactly. very like you know um industries that are often kind of I guess tied back to our community but I think a part of that is visibility mm. you know there's there are also people out there that are moving in the field of tech um you know there are young black entrepreneurs that are getting that you know massive investment in because they've got kind of tech future-proof businesses they've got scalable businesses and they're not just kind of focused on that you've seen I've seen you know people who are working in STEM in general um and are doing those things but I think there's a lack of visibility um I think obviously when you do look to you know the businesses in your community the ones that you see are going to be the ones that are kind of hair care businesses they're more on the front lines and obviously when you go to shows those are the people that are trying to sell their products to you they're trying to get them out there in the market um and i think you know we know hair care is like a billion billion dollar industry for, especially for black women we spend so much money on it so i can see the natural draw the natural appeal to it um and i actually think it's more so a case of support for those type of businesses and those business owners for them to learn how to scale and start building brands so that we can have a pan 10 type black owned brand you know we can have those things as well um so i think there's space for everything and it can still be big and future proofed um but i definitely think when it comes to you know tech and things like that i think it's about visibility and i think it's about learning and um you know that's the one of the things we like at our events we always try to interview you know entrepreneurs who have you know received investment or are doing you know large-scale businesses because I think just knowing that's out there and just knowing that's the type of business and how it works and going to accelerators and knowing those are out there and open to you, I think that immediately can change your perspective and a young person's perspective on the type of business that they want to start. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think when you look at, you know, people coming up now, they it's a completely different generation where they only know technology, they only know social media. Um, they, those are the ways they know to engage. So while they be maybe starting, you know, hair care businesses, that's alongside their podcasts and their YouTube channels, which are all kind of about kind of building out into a more social realm or more technology friendly platform and ways to scale your business. So I think it's about taking those people who have that interest, who have that spark, that generation coming up and showing them here are the things that are available to you. If you go to yeah. an accelerator, you're going to learn how to change your business. Um, you know, if you learn about more finance, if you get into these groups where you're able to meet investors and talk to those people, you're going to start, you know, thinking more so about future-proofing your business and the types exactly. of businesses we need in the community. So Yeah, you almost can't become what you can't see or what you're not exposed to. Exactly. And so as a kid, if you're only exposed to successful black people on uh, TV on Chelsea Football Club, yeah, you know, whatever it is, exactly. or uh, the latest music video, and that's where you see success w for people that look like you. That's what you emulate, right? Exactly. If you grew up in a neighborhood and all you see are the hair care salons and everything, that's all you gravitate towards, to. So, part of what I'm actually trying to do here as well is to highlight, you know, 
black successful uh, people beyond uh, entertainment and music and sports and all that kind of stuff. But there are role models out there. You're right. We haven't done a good job of amplifying them. So, for instance, not a lot of people know that you know the chairman of Microsoft was was a black person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or the, you know the the top lawyer at Google was a black person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean. It's it's pretty incredible when once you actually look look for these people. Robert Smith, who is my sort of uh, <laughs> not my mentor yet, he will yeah, be one, one day. day. <laughs> <laughs> but he's someone yeah. I look up to. But you know, you find out that he's one, I think he's the richest African American you know in the world, or yeah, at least top he two or three. Gives back a lot as well. He gives like back a lot exactly. But you can't become what you can't see. Do you, th- with your work that you're doing now, you're amplifying some of these voices. You're creating this conference. You're you're creating this platform for people to see what's possible for me. What are the challenges you're facing in that? Do, do you think your message is actually resonating? Is there anything that you think is preventing us getting those stories out there or highlighting these good investments? Um, I don't know if I would say there's it, there's anything. I think it just takes time. Mm-hmm. I think um, it takes commitment and it takes time and trying to build it and just kind of getting more people aware. You know, um, when you're a small company and you're starting out, always you haven't necessarily got that investment to spread that word of mouth to, you know, share it. So it's about really, I think, people knowing it. I think once people see that it's there, um, see the uh, information's available to them, you know, it's not crazy expensive. It's not out there. It's not something that they can't engage with. Um, I think when people know those roots are there, then you do get people engaged. But I think it's just about actually making people aware, raising the awareness and getting people talking about it, to be honest. I think, yeah, we just need to share it as much as we can. (laughs) Like, yeah, I guess that's, you know, why I'm here on podcast. You want to promote, you want people to find out about it because that's our mission. The more people that know within our community, the better it is. And I guess that's the only challenge would be that we don't necessarily have those kind of media channels or access to be able to kind of promote on those massive scales um as other people necessarily or um and it's harder to maybe go and know where you can find those kind of speakers and where you can look for the right people and stuff like that so it takes a little bit more research we know that there's not kind of definitive research when it comes to the black business community and what that looks like and stuff like that so it really takes kind of going out there meeting people and just having to do a lot of groundwork at the moment so I guess as we continue to grow and hopefully, you know, improve our kind of media networks and our strategies and have more things like your podcast and different outlets we can go to to continue sharing the message. That's how, you know, we'll see change, really. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about the future Black Wall Street or whatever it is that we're going to create. I wonder what that looks like. So let's imagine five to ten years from now, right? What does the black economic structure look like? Do we have literally a street that we call Black Wall Street with investors and all that kind of stuff? Or what, what does the end goal look like? What would success for our community look like? Uh, oh, I think that's a very difficult one, cause especially yeah. if you're talking about five years, because I think, you know, for me, success ugh, is, is a, such a, a big thing when you're talking about our community on yeah. so many levels, you know, um, people always talk about equality and I always say you know what is he what is equality like someone can't make you their equal you have to have what they have in in equal measure right that's that's how I kind of see equality so to me building that is going to be something that's going to be built over generations not even necessarily just in my lifetime it's going to be something that we have over you know our children's children's lifetime and I think it's about changing that mindset and I'd like to see I suppose in the next five years us having that shift into the mindset where we're thinking more so about 
um, the type of businesses we have, how sustainable they are. Um, are they something that we can pass down to our children? Are we, you know, teaching our children from early how to manage and, you know, their money and finances, how to engage in the world of business? Um, and I think especially in the next five years, those are the kinds of changes that you can really hope for I think is is more so a mindset and an attitude towards money and how we approach it as well as kind of seeing you know a lot of the business owners that are coming through now having a lot more success becoming bigger and I think when you do that what I'd love to see is employment you know that's what it's about when we're building these businesses it's not just to say oh we want to support black owned businesses we want to support black owned businesses because we want to see changes in our communities and those changes look like opportunities for our kids those changes look like you know jobs for you know you know uncle working down the road those <laughs> like it's all those things uncle doesn't want to work by the way uncle's <laughs> chilling right now man <laughs> don't bother uncle today don't bother uncle. but you know like literally it's about basically being able to engage people and get engaged to people within our community um and get them feeling like they're a part of something so to me when i support black business that's what it's about it's about being able to help those businesses build themselves and their businesses to a place where they're going to be big enough to be able to give back and give back on a big a wider scale and I think the more we do that you know those are the changes we want to see in the next five years I would hope that we've got to a place where yeah we've got nice businesses that are set we have a bit of visibility we have ways of you know communicating and sharing our messages of you know understanding what we need to continue to work on um, and we have ways to support our children and other people within our community through those businesses and that kind of entrepreneurship that we've shown yeah no i completely agree i wonder what you think of this sort of awakening within the corporate world that oh black lives really do matter actually <laughs> apparently um and now yeah. you hear of companies oh we're going to put 100 million towards this and oh, yeah. all of a sudden we were able to find a black chief marketing officer look at that where did <laughs> yeah. that come from do you know what i mean yeah it only so, took the whole world stopping due to covid for you to see yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> but so, i wonder what you think of the response of the current economic structures or the current environment to this new black lives matter um new economic push that they see from the from you know our our, our communities yeah. do you think it's just a sort of um here's a couple hundred thousand here's a couple million here, you know just be satisfied that kind of thing yeah. or do you think it's just a gesture like a token or do you think they've actually realized wow we need to change things there's a lot of talent that we haven't promoted because of all these you know unconscious bias or whatever it is what's your response to these new quote unquote um woke uh <laughs> business decisions yeah um I mean, I think it, it's got pros and cons. I think um, it's hard to know when the company comes about and they say, yeah, we want to do this and we want to invest money. But I think the first thing is put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Um, if you're putting up the money, if you're putting up the capital, then I think there's no way we should be saying, actually, no, turn up on those. Let's take the money <laughs> um, and let's use it to do real things. And that's what I think that's what it's about. It's making sure that when these companies are trying to engage in the community, they're doing it in ways that we want them to do it, um, ways that we think is actually going to, you know, create significant change to our communities um, and what we're trying to do as business owners. So um, I think, yeah, you, you know, you can always take it with a pinch of salt. I think time will tell with those businesses in terms of are you putting your money where your mouth is? Are you showing long-term commitment to what you're doing? And I think that's another thing we should definitely look for. You know, not look, not look for a post on Twitter that 
you know, oh, they posted the black square today. That means they're yeah. they're supporting us. No, absolutely. It means, um, you know, are they putting up the money? Are they making long term commitments to change? Have they put policies in place now? Um, you know, and yeah, you've managed to find, you know, chief marketing execs, but what's it like for your employees, your other black employees? What are their issues? Are you listening to those things as well? And then implementing changes within your own company and your own organization um, and then coming out to engage with the people and make those changes. Um, and by all means, it's like, it's not our responsibility, right? We've, we've had this conversation. It's not the responsibility of black people now to take on for That's those corporations. Point, actually, yeah. Yeah. It's not our responsibility to take on for these corporations and go and fix all of it. Um, um, but I think it's important we find a way to engage so that we can make sure if they are interested in, you know, getting involved or supporting that it's the kind of support we actually want and need um, for our community. But obviously yeah. always take everything with a pinch of salt and always be aware that, you know, this could be a very fleeting support. So how do we translate that into something that's tangible and real for us as a community and that we can make, you know, something that's sustainable and going to be long lasting for us. Yeah. I need to start charging my company for my advice because right. they ask the black employees like, yeah. Oh, what do you guys think we should do here? What we should do there? And we're giving all this advice. And it's like, man, if you threw me a couple hundred pounds, <laughs> you know, I might, absolutely, you know, absolutely. But that's part labor. of it though. Right. I think yeah. say that, like say, you know, if we're going to do a committee, like we, you need to have, these are the strategies you need to have in place. These are the issues that you've got but to do that you need to make sure you've got a long-term commitment and that needs to be maybe you need to get a diversity manager in here maybe you need to get someone that's got specific um objectives in here rather than always asking me because at the end of the day it's draining and you're not paying me extra for my time um yeah. <laughs> and again you know as black people again we're allowed to say that too our time is valuable um you know, so we're absolutely allowed to say, actually, if you want me to do this extra work, if you want me to go out there and it is work it, it, and it is work, it's absolutely work oh, identifying yeah. what issues are and how to, you know, actually tactfully engage and make changes. That's real work. So if you want me to do that strategy, I think you're well within your rights to say to your company, this is a strategy you want you want to put into play. And anything that needs a strategy, you know, I'm entitled to be paid for. And I think you can absolutely engage in your with your company in that way and say to them, you know, if you want me to do this job, which it is a job. Yeah. Yeah. Can you pay me for my time? That's it. And that's part of it. That's part of you <laughs> guys supporting us. Time. Yeah. Pay me what you owe me. <laughs> that's, but that's part of supporting it. That's part of supporting each other. You know, when your company's talking about getting speakers in, can your company afford, if your company is the type of company you can afford to pay their speakers, Yeah. then say like, you guys should be reaching out and paying these speakers. You know, yeah. these are the people we want to hear. These are the people we want to engage with. That is, those are the people we want you to open up your wallets to. You know, usually people say, that you don't get paid what you're worth. You get paid what you negotiate, right? <laughs> and so when I think of successful black people in every realm, sports artists, uh, sports personalities, artists, whatever it is, you always think of the fact that you hear this repeated theme, which is that they're underpaid. I think Viola Davis said yeah. as well, I'm practically like Meryl Streep. I have the same yeah. credentials, but I'm paid half whatever it is. And I think of the fact that if you don't value yourself, if you don't say this is my worth, no one else is going to pay you what you're worth. They're going to try and undercut you. Yeah. Do you think the disparities you see in how much we're compensated for the same work, sometimes even better work, is the result of us not valuing our own creativity, our own uh, input? Or do you think it's really 
a reflection of the bias that other people are, just have some notion that whatever we produce is not as good or whatever it is? Um, again, I think it's a combination of both. I think 100% there's bias. The, you know, we know institutionally, we look at the pe- well, um, the pay gap, right? Already we know that um, when we're talking about pay gap, women are paid less than men, but we know that black women are paid even less. Black and Pakistani women are paid even less than white women. So, you know, there are institutional biases. We know when people, when it comes to recruiting and hiring people, um, people tend to have unconscious bias and recruit people that just look like them, you know, and put those people in different positions. Um, but also I think, yeah, we also so do kind of as a people struggle a bit with that kind of imposter syndrome yeah um struggle with not knowing maybe not having that kind of generational knowledge of what it's like to now be in this kind of corporate space and how to navigate that um or you know again not feeling like you want to push the boat out where you've reached is really like a great success and that's not to speak to everyone I think now again you've got young black people who really understand that and are really kind of going out there and saying actually no, this is what I'm worth this is what my time is worth um and this is how I want to be valued uh but I definitely think there's a been a period where you don't want to rock the boat you know um for me coming from the family that I came from just being in Canary Wharf was something was that a was an deal, achievement right? yeah it's like, like hey, it was, she made it yeah like it was like you <laughs> made it and stuff like that so I think again it's like almost those things that you don't know that you don't know that actually once you you get there that's not making it it's now the uh the negotiations and the relationships and how to kind of progress and leadership progression and things like that and again those are things we talk about at the event as well because we try to kind of it's called three back investor 360 little plug (laughs) but um it's a 360 view so we look at not only what's happening in terms of investment into black businesses and how you can you know position yourself as a black business owner for that um we look at wealth management and how you can make your savings work for you what investments are good um particularly now when we're in going into economic recession what does that look like for us um but then we also talk about recruitment and what it's like just to be in those environments particularly in finance and what does leadership progression look like how do we start making that work for ourselves um, and again, it's part of building a network, um, having people in other organizations, you know, um, you know, having other people that, you know, work in that company that you have relationships with that can say, you know, actually this promotion's coming up or you look good for this or help you just guide you and navigate you. So I think mentorship and all those things are super important. Um, and those things help to kind of kill that maybe imposter syndrome or that little thing that makes you not want to say this is what I'm worth and this is what I should be paid for my time so yeah no that sounds great I'm really looking forward to how this evolves in five to six years time hopefully you and I are in a cocktail bar (laughs) with some Chardonnay with a bunch of investors and we're in Nirvana but until then we've got a lot of work to do yeah that's for sure um but where can people hear more about you and 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 get access to some of these resources that the black business network is putting together um yeah so absolutely we're online so you can kind of follow us on our instagram pages black business network uk um and black investor 360 um and we have websites obviously black invest um black business network uh dot online forgetting my own <laughs> my own website um and then black investor 360.com um and that's where you can get tickets for this year's event so this year we're completely virtual so it's the new experience but we're going to be live streaming with a full day of content um 
we've got some great speakers. We've got Eric Collins on, who is Eric's yeah, a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Eric is a founder of uh, Impact X Capital, yeah. um, which is a great investment group that's looking to put so much into the Black community. Um, we're supported by guys like Cornerstone Partners, who also you know are, them as well. Yeah, 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 great investment group. Again, looking to like you know get in and support Black business owners, Black entrepreneurs. Um, so we work with a lot of people like that. We have speakers from all those different kind of fields. Um, it's chaired by Gavin Lewis, who's director at BlackRock and mm. um, runs Talk About Black, which is all about kind of trying to, guess, progress, um, push leadership progression amongst black people in the finance industry, in asset management, um, in all those different fields as well. So we talk about a lot. Um, it includes a lot. We have interviews, we had webcasts. So it's a really great informa informative day. Um, and this year being virtual, we really just want as many people to jump online and engage with us as possible. So yeah, blackinvestor.com, blackinvestor360.com. Go and get your tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me, I need to get better on my promo, my plugs, right? You can yeah, tell. man. <laughs> Maybe you need have a pre-recording and just play it for the uh, microphone you know <laughs> well thank you so much really appreciate it and uh i'm sure we'll stay in touch yeah absolutely thank you and um hopefully yeah look forward to having you engaged at the event as well so it'll be awesome fantastic <laughs> thanks. cheers thanks so much